Okay, welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast. I'm Sean Anderson, and I'm sitting here tonight with Matt Birch. Appreciate you coming by. And we are um, we're going to have a discussion tonight. You've, I understand you've listened to a lot of these podcasts already. So, yeah, know. it's been really interesting, and I don't know, cooler than I expected. So when you said let's do it, I was like, sure, because awesome, perfect. I've enjoyed them a lot more than I thought I would when my wife told me about it. Good, good. Well, so you know the, the general outline then. So we're just going to start right at the beginning, which is a good spot to start, right? Cool. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up, maybe some of your family life, your hobbies, things you were interested in, education, those types of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up here in Spokane. Uh, went to elementary school, middle school, and high school, all in the same district on the South Hill. Uh my parents had nine kids, but three died when I was two. So I don't have any like recollection of it or anything. Um, but I think it really affected the tone of the parenting. There was yeah. very strong gospel focus in our home. Very strong, like families are forever, like live for the celestial kingdom kind of vibe. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... So you were two. Yeah. Okay. I think I remember your your mom's sharing her testimony about this in our ward. Yeah. How long ago? Yeah. Very. It's a very powerful testimony. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was the the start of it. So I grew up in a family with six kids, basically, uh, two older than me and three younger than me. And when we were younger, we had a pretty comfortable lifestyle financially. My dad was into mortgage banking and was having lots of success and whatever. Uh, and then he got this really big brain tumor. Like he'd already done multiple rounds of cancer at that point. But this tumor was the size of a tennis ball. Uh, yeah, they couldn't believe he was still like walking. But yeah, they took that out. That knocked him out. And then he had four more, sorry, three more surgeries over the next few years where they just like unzip his whole head and like take it apart and wow, crazy stuff. So uh, after that, we spent most of the rest of my childhood on some form of eating church food and yeah, other sorts of supports and whatever because he wasn't able to have a full job anymore. Okay. Like. Sometimes he'd be fine, and other times he just couldn't do anything. So that that changed our lifestyle quite a bit because my mom, who's a piano teacher, suddenly had to try to figure out how to provide for six kids and a. So how old were you, if you might my asking, when the when we kind of had these tumors? Tennis. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I have enough of the memories of before when we could like. Yeah. Casually, like, I remember him just, like, going out to buy a boat and just picking the one he liked and just, like, yeah, whatever. And we go to the beach all the time. And Right. The next thing you know, we're selling everything and hunkering down. and Yeah, changing lifestyles completely. Big changes. Um, hey, yeah. Tell me again. Maybe, maybe you said this, but you lived here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the Spokane stake okay. of all grown up, so... Yeah, um, let's see. So there's like some of like the 
the big childhood events and all. As far as like stuff I actually liked to do, uh, depending on what age you catch me, I liked sports, not watching them. I'm like sports agnostic. I, I kind of don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I like playing games, even though I'm not very good at most of them. I like working out. Um, I picked up piano. I hated it when I was like eight, nine, ten, and then I quit. And then I picked it up again near the end of high school and had a lot of fun with it. I was a big choir nerd. At one point, I was in nine singing groups simultaneously. Oh wow! Yeah, like it was it was probably unhealthy, but it was fun. Uh, I dabbled with my drama friends at school. I was on the improv comedy team for a year at Ferris. Okay. That was a lot of fun. That takes some guts too, hey? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like, I don't know. It's, so uh, let me ask and go back to the piano because you, you have a very unique style of piano playing, right? It's uh, different than what we see sometimes because I don't think I've ever seen you with actual piano music in front of you when you're, when you're doing yeah. piano at, at church. So did you... Did you take lessons like classical training or? Yeah. So so my mom was an actual piano teacher. She's okay. been teaching since she was 15 and she's like a piano monster. Okay. So I took formal lessons for three years, ages eight, nine, ten. Yeah. And I hated it and never practiced and I quit. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Some things you grow to regret later, right? Uh, so when I started playing music later, I know enough about like reading sheet music. I can plunk out a hymn if I have some time to practice. And right. That's about it. But when I play music like in church, it's usually just some chord progression I make up. And if the song's new enough, I'll write down a sheet of paper where I'll like print all the lyrics and just write like E flat, A flat, right. something over it. Like so in a guitar style. Yeah, yeah. So and I don't want to take uh too much time on the piano, but I I'm obsessed with understanding how you how you play when when you play right. So when you're playing in church, because a lot of people listening to this will have heard you just even recently to play in church. Um, is it the same as you practice, or does it always end up a little different? It's always different. That's great. That's this, awesome. This last time, I mean, yeah, it's always different. This last time it went so different from anything I'd ever done. I like totally changed the endings of two of the verses on accident. Yeah. Like I missed my favorite piano riff. I was like, dang it. Like I can't put that in now. So but. the improv comedy turned into, uh, also went into a little bit of improv piano playing. Yeah. There. I think it's just an excuse for being too lazy to actually practice things. <laughs> well, you do fantastic at it. I think it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, let, can, can I ask this just, and I, I'm kind of working from the back forwards now, but um, you've brought up uh, things that a lot of kids don't have to go through early on in life, right? Yeah. E even without having the recollection of older siblings dying, it certainly affected the trajectory of your childhood and and the centrality of the gospel in your family's life, right? But yeah. then um, having a dad go through life possibly life-ending trauma in his life and having to sacrifice and cut back and live a different lifestyle how did that affect your testimony growing up as a child that depends on when you ask okay. um yeah so when i was young enough like you know it was just like the standard kid listens to their parents thing like yeah 
they said all this stuff was great, so great. Like, right. Uh, but at one, at some point, it went bad. Um, I also had one friend and a couple of acquaintances die in close succession in middle school. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was pretty heavy. And then, so that was just within a couple of years of when my dad got sick. And I just got mad. And I, I was one of the, uh, the kind of people who ends up calling themselves an atheist but you're never quite sure if they're actually an atheist or if they're just mad. Right. And I wasn't even quite sure either. Right. Um, But if there was a God, I didn't want anything to do with them. Because, like, my parents were, like, as faithful and gospel-focused as you could get. Hasn't done them a lot of good. Right. And I'm seeing other people, like, my age going. And then... That's just in me and my life in the comfortable United States of America. There's much worse things going on elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I checked out. Gotcha. Uh, for quite a few years. Uh, yeah. And I checked out earlier than most people do. Like, I know the whole, like, hey, I'm rebelling against my faith things, nothing original. Uh, but in, like, eighth grade, I remember, we did these balloon debates the scenario is there's three of you in a hot air balloon. There's only two parachutes. Oh. Who has to survive? Oh, no, there's only one parachute. And you have to debate and see whose historical figure is, like, most important. One of the guys in my balloon was Joseph Smith. Oh. And so I just, like, anti-Mormon the crap out of that class. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, painting him as all kinds of bad. And I didn't even flinch. You're like, yeah, well, it's all... True, as far as I can tell. So, whatever. Right. Started uh, living however I felt like it. Um, I had a kind of an interesting approach to my dabbling in sin. Where, like, I would still take things fairly logically. Like, for instance, word of wisdom, never my issue. Right. Because I'd be like, why would I pay money to create a dependency? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm not interested in messing around with that. But Emphasis the, on the wisdom part, right? Okay, yeah, it's, it's like, that one's fine. <laughs> yeah, but, um, Everyone's got different strengths and weaknesses. That one's never been a temptation for me. Mine assistant with the energy drinks, but <laughs> that's not officially there. So <laughs> Right. Um, you got the word of wisdom and then God's law of health, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we are kind of skipping to the end. Uh, yeah. Eventually, it all kind of came to a head. Uh, I was not happy. I was doing everything I thought I wanted to be doing, and I was more miserable than I'd ever been. Yeah. Uh, and I got pretty miserable for a while, uh, to the point of it being unhealthy and unsafe. And uh, so I, uh, I can cut all the fluff out of these breaks here. You're fine. You're doing great. Yeah. So I, I'm not a very confrontational person unless, well, at that age, I wasn't a very confrontational person. I kind of am now. But, uh, you know, my parents would tell me to go to seminary, so I would. Right. 
I'm a morning person. I'd usually get up and go for a run before seminary anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but I just remember like one day in class, I just had this like impression. I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but I was like, you know, maybe I should check this thing out. Hmm. And I did. And it took forever. So I had enough gospel training. I like knew the logical structure, right? Like I know you're supposed right. to read your scriptures, say your prayer. You have to start making changes and show real intent and blah, blah, blah. And so I knew the structure. So I started reading. And my prayers were probably kind of flippant. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think you're there, but uh, I'm giving this a shot because if it's real, I probably should do it. And it, But, you know. We both know you're not there. <laughs> right. Uh, and somehow or another, I kept going and going. And sometimes my studies would just be reading through the scriptures. Sometimes they'd be digging into actual topics. One I was especially interested in was like, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm not going to try to answer that in this podcast, but if... If anyone ever has a, a chance to sit down and chat, that's a topic I can go on for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I studied for over a year. And I kept going harder. Like I was, And this is in high school still, right? Yeah, yeah. This is like sophomore year of high school -ish at okay. this point. Um, started making lifestyle changes, started... Um, just trying to actually do more. And the whole time I'm still like super skeptical. Like my attitude for this whole year was basically, I'm probably going to ditch this, but I need to like logically check off and say, I've done all I can do. Right. Cause if it's real, it's like eternity is a stake, whatever. And if not, <laughs> well then I can say like, dude, I tried as hard as any human can try. So goodbye. And something kept sustaining me through it. And I kept like, well, here's another thing I can try. Here's another thing I can try. Still like super skeptical the whole time. Uh, and then one day I was like, hey, I should probably go talk to my bishop about some things. <laughs> Which at the time like didn't even bother me. Because I was like, yeah. I was just like, I don't even know if this matters or whatever. Um and he told me, like, hey, there's this EFY thing this summer. You should go to that and come back, and we'll talk then. And I don't know. So it's going to be like the the classic kid goes to camp and gets righteous thing. Uh, yeah, but I was there, and there was this fireside. And it was, like, near the end of the week, and I was still, like, I'd kind of like set a deadline for myself. Like if I don't have answers at the end of this week, I'm out. I've given it more than a year. I'm done. And uh, my heart softened enough during this week just because I was having fun and I didn't feel so angsty about everything. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, it's always, it's often music that really gets me. Mm -hmm. uh, during this fireside, we listened to Be Still My Soul. Yeah. And 
in the middle of it. I uh, I had an experience, which I have come to call being pummeled by the spirit. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've, for anyone who's had that experience, they they probably know what I'm talking about. Like it's just completely overwhelming. And it finally clicked with me that nothing I had experienced was incompatible with a loving God. Because this life is the blip in eternity. And even if he brings my siblings home or my friends home or my dad home, he's bringing them home and it's not the end. Right. And my my anger and my reservation is just melted. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's the uh, long answer to your short question. No, that's but that was that was the beginning of all of it. I like decided right then and there. I was like, I'm serving a mission, I'm kicking butt, and this is going to be my life. And I've never looked back. Yeah. That's that's great. I th- I th- as you're saying this, I'm just thinking. I think that's the answer to every parent's prayer, especially when their kids start diverting. Is you mentioned you noticed you weren't happy, right? You weren't finding true, real happiness. Um, and my goodness, I just think that's kind of what you want for when you see loved ones go go astray. Is just say please start recognizing how unhappy you actually are so you could start doing that which is and i love i love just the, the be still my soul is is uh, your soul needed some peace right your your soul was tormented and yeah um what a what a great thing for you to be able to go through so that you can oh for sharing it in a podcast is great too right but also just so you can be a teacher and then a missionary and a father and yeah, it's, you've got some great experiences to be able to expound some life lessons onto your own children. Yeah. It's changed literally everything because that was the make or break moment where I was just going to give up on church and everything and say, I'd done it all. Like, yeah. I, I just was thinking, as you were saying, you know, you're like, Oh, Heavenly Father, you're probably not there, but I'll try this something. Heavenly Father's probably got a big smile on his face. Just watch and see what happens. He's like, I got a plan for you. He's like, we got this. Right. So, all right. So let's go back now to uh, uh, where did you serve a mission? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Awesome. Very dusty. Gotcha. (laughs) How was that experience for you? It was good. Um, Everyone loves their, or almost everyone I've talked to loves their mission. and I did too. I wasn't a super baptizing ultra missionary or anything. I average number for my mission and yeah, whatever. Uh, but it was a very formative experience for me. Uh, I think a lot of it was for my own personal development. I mean, that's, that's true for everyone. As, as, as it is for most of us, right? Yeah. But yeah, during my mission, I had 15 different companions. Okay. Got to see a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, I served in like, I forget how many areas, but I was all over the place. And a lot of them were the, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to like be disparaging, but some of them were kind of difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it were, 
it was very rare that I had a mission companion who just wanted to get out and work. Right, right. And I found myself constantly trying to push it and make it happen. Um, I had a few good ones, but I had a lot of tougher ones. Um, you learn a lot about how to live in relationships. You, <laughs> you really do. Yeah. Uh, and you learn a lot about... Like when you hear people make certain justifications about whatever they're doing, you're like, dude, I've done that before. And I am like so unimpressed with what you're doing right now. Like I should probably shape up and not do this for myself. Uh, right. Um, but yeah, like there there were other aspects of the mission that weren't just about like, hey, I had a billion companions and a lot of them were tough. But like just the people I would meet um, – so I grew up in Spokane on the South Hill in a school where there was like two black kids and one of them was my friend. So like I grew up almost with this like mindset of like racism's over, like there's there's no tension here, so it must be fine everywhere. And then I got transferred to this one town that was like one third Hispanic, one third Native American, one third white. Mm. And that place had some tension, man. Yeah. And that place had some angry people. But as missionaries, we kind of got to step under a lot of that. But that also meant we got to get up closer to it and see more of it that you wouldn't normally get to. Yeah. And so it was like my first time realizing that racism is absolutely real. Yeah. And that racial injustice is absolutely real. Um, I'm not going to get into that. That's not what this podcast is about. Uh, another guy I met, we were teaching him and he was – this awesome, really smart, really nice guy who loved the Book of Mormon. He was taking the lessons. He'd been taking them for years, meeting with missionaries. We're like, why aren't you getting baptized? And he ends up telling us he's a homosexual. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like everything else was like clicking, but, you know, he knew the church's stance on gay marriage and was just like, yeah, uh, He's like, they've changed on this and this and this. I'm just waiting for them to change on that, and then I'll join up. Until they do, I'm not going to. And we like, yeah, well, we tried to work with them, but that, that was pretty much where that ended. Uh, but it was like another experience of just realizing the world wasn't as cut and dried and simple as I thought. Another guy we met was this Muslim dude who several times a week would go do ministries in the prisons. Yeah. And we sat and talked with him for like four hours. And before I mission, I'd read the Quran um, just because I was like, I was curious. People were saying all kinds of stuff about it. I don't like to take other people's word for anything. So, mm -hmm. so I'd read it and it was very eye opening because it's a lot like our Bible. Like if yeah. you made a, if you made a doctrinal list of like all the different points there's some similarities for sure, yeah. 80% overlap, us yeah. and them. And so I was talking with this guy, and I was, like, trying to get a, a feel for it, like, if that was accurate. And I was like, dang, like, we agree on almost everything. And we're missing the part about, like, Jesus being divine. But basically, other than that, we're there. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, like, a bunch of experiences like that started piling up. And I just really got obsessed with, Wanting to understand people I don't understand. Yeah. And that's also really changed my approach on life and helped me to 
appreciate other people, to value other people, to respect other people. Because even if they do things, say things, believe things that I don't agree with, I've met some dang good people. Right. And yeah, a lot, it really does allow you to take the blinders off if you're willing, right? Yeah. If you're willing to take the blinders off and see this world beyond going to high school, coming home, having a home-cooked meal right there for you, yeah. and then going back to seminary the next morning, and right? So, yeah. well, that's good. So after you come home off your mission, where did you go to school? What, are you living the yeah. life plan that you had intended? Um, I didn't really have that Professionally, much. I mean, I should say. So prior to my mission, I wanted to be a music teacher. Okay. I told you I was like a super choir nerd. Yeah. I was going to be a choir teacher. On my mission, I realized I also wanted money. Yeah, yeah, uh, I so, hear you. <laughs> so I decided to sacrifice a little bit of passion for a little bit of money, try to find something I liked well enough. And I had no idea what that was. I just knew I was good at math. Yeah. So I got home, started going to a community college, started taking a bunch of math classes and then just whatever else I had to take. Um, I know you're going to ask about family in a minute, so I'll, I'll loop her in later. I'll just tell the school side right now. Sure, um, yeah. yeah, transferred from there to Eastern. I was going to do mechanical engineering. And then just on a whim, I realized, not on a whim, why am I saying that? But I realized I had missed a prereq, and it was going to cost me like an extra year for my degree. Mm. Meanwhile, I had the... Uh, the community college and I took an economics class and I loved it. Okay. I just loved it. I'm like halfway through my first quarter of microeconomics. I go to my teacher's office. It's like, dude, this is it. This is what I want to do. So what's next? And he's like, yeah, if you want to be an economist, you basically have to get a master's or a PhD. I was like, all right, that's what I'm doing. All right. So got my degree in economics with lots of extra math Took lots of extra classes, took lots of summer classes, took 20 credit quarters. Oh, wow. And I was done with my bachelor's degree within about, within like two and a half years of when I got home. Almost three years. Good for you. Wow. Which was good because then I went to do a PhD at Washington State, which took me five more years. Yeah. <laughs> took freaking forever. Uh, and I taught economics down in Texas for four years. They, I worked at a tiny little liberal arts college and they let me run my program however I wanted. Okay. Yeah. I got to delete courses and change courses and add a bunch of computational work and coding and stuff into my classes and just do whatever I want. Fun. Yeah. Uh, I did that for four years. Loved it, but it was in, but it was 2000 miles from home. Mm hmm. And it didn't pay worth beans. So it's time for a career change. So I switched to a job where I can work from home and then we moved our home. So okay. that's how we came here last year. Gotcha. Awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Man on a mission. I love it. I think like, you, you, you go to school, have to learn what you want to do and have to learn what you don't want to do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so that was good that you were able to figure that out so quickly and put your head down and and do it. Yeah, I was just going. Um, so, okay, yeah. So now, now we get to where you you meet your wife, right? And we start. Yeah. So that takes place there. very soon after my mission. My little brother is driving me home from the airport. He's like, "Hey, there's a girl on the ward you should meet." I was like, "Sure." So he brings her to my homecoming party. 
like two days later. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't like planning on dating her right away. I had actually been writing a couple of people during my mission, one of which was a friend who I had dated a bit before, but I kind of knew things weren't going to go. And so I told her repeatedly, like, like, hey, this isn't going, like, we're not going to, there's no promise after the mission or whatever. I sh- probably should have been more direct and said no. <laughs> right. Because uh, she was at that homecoming party too. Uh, yeah. Um, and I don't know. There were people who I'd met over the years who I was like excited to go and meet and hook up with and see what happened. But I met Rachel and she was really cool. I was like, oh, that's cool. And my little brother was like, hey, we all got to hang out tonight. So we did. He was like, we got to hang out the next day. And he found some other excuse for us to hang out. He made sure we hung out like every day for a week. I was like, I really freaking like this girl. Yeah. So I asked her on like an actual date date. Uh, but I didn't have a car. And my little brother had a stick shift. And I'd never driven a stick before. Okay. So I was like, dude, can I borrow your car tonight? He's like, sure. Do you know how to drive it? I was like, no. Can you teach me how to drive? Real quick. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I learned how to drive a stick that day. And I only killed it like three times or not bad something during our date. But it was in like downtown Spokane traffic <laughs> during rush hour. Like we're like stuck yeah. in these intersections blocking everything off and... I looked like an idiot, but and you're still on the South Hill at the time. Yes. So you're you're learning how to drive a stick, having to go up the South Hill. Yes. Okay. Got yeah. it. Just wanted to make sure I was painting that picture right. Yeah. At, at this point, <laughs> I'm, at this point, I'm two. To, I'm like a week off my mission. I'm still with my parents. So, so you're halfway down a block in reverse before you finally kick it in. It was first, intense, or? man. <laughs> I, can I hated going onto Freya so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I fell in love very quickly. Uh, asked her to be my girlfriend. I already knew I was going to be saying the L word soon, but I didn't want to be too creepy about it. So I waited like a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said it back. We'd been dating for about a month when I proposed. And then we got married just a couple months later. So I got home for my mission in September and we got married before New Year's. So this all moved very quickly yep. for you guys. But... Even in the speed of it, was was there a moment or a time or a thought or impression that was significant or stuck out to you where you said, this is not just a girl I want to date. This is the girl I want to marry. I knew it so fast. Okay. Like, uh, I got pretty gung-ho about the gospel. Uh, still am. Just in yeah. a quieter, more boring adult way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, And I really wanted someone who was going to help me in that. Yeah. I was going to uh, be an equal in that regard. So, like, I mentioned the girl I had written during my mission. With her, I knew I was going to be trying to help her and to, like, grow her and help her to become more faith-based and whatever. And I like, I don't want that. I want someone who can help me when I'm having a hard time. Right. Uh, and so, like, our, our like, first or second date or something, she, like, asks if she can, if we can go, like, drop something off at some, like, investigator's house for the missionaries and stuff. I was like, oh, heck yeah, girl. Let's do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And that's like a silly thing. Like it doesn't like mean she's a good person, but there were plenty of other indications she was. And I realized very quickly that this was someone who sees the world the way I do. That we see people as good people, that we value the gospel above any other sort of set of morals or narratives in our life. Somebody who will love God first. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, after finding that, uh, then you could add in the parts where, you know, we laugh together and enjoy each other and stuff. So, yeah, I knew pretty quick. I knew it was going. Good. So waiting a month to propose was actually killer hard for me. Okay. (laughs) I, I knew fast. I was like waiting to find like some sort of like skeleton in the closet or something, but right. I was like, eh, there's not gonna be one. So when I prayed about it, I even like prayed like, should I ask her to marry me? And it was like one of the fastest answers to prayers I ever got. It wasn't even a yes or like a warm fuzzy. It was like clear as day as thought in my mind, like you already know. <laughs> like, right. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. So. Good. That's awesome. So tell us, tell us about your kids. All right. We got five of them now. Uh, ages. So we got David, who's 12. He's our bookworm, smart kid, but also he likes to play lots of sports and he's picking up piano. He's just kind of sponging up everything in life right now. Good he just finished him, yeah. soccer and cross country. He just jumped from these like teeny little intro piano books to he's trying to learn a John Schmidt song right now. Oh, good for him. Yeah. yeah like it's, yeah, he's just yeah, likes doing everything. We have an 11 year old named Jonathan yeah. who is also really enjoying reading lately, but he's mostly just like a social kid. He just likes to hang out with his friends, hang out with yeah. family, just play games and kick it. He doesn't, he doesn't value structure as much as David does, I don't think. He, I, him, I know the most with the activity always, and he is just—he's a very happy, yeah. happy boy. It's, he is a delight. Uh, yeah. yeah, he has a very easy time making friends. Everyone always wants to play with Jonathan. It's yeah. always been that way since he was like three years old. Like, yeah, I don't know. He's just got this magnet thing going. Uh, we have an eight-year-old daughter named Eden, who is <laughs> she is a really funny girl. Um, she also loves being social and playing with friends. She's recently gotten into gymnastics. She tried dance and violin. I think she wanted to be Lindsey Sterling. Oh, yeah. But when it didn't, like, yield results in, like, two days, she got bored of it and <laughs> right. quit. Uh, but, no, she's really fun and funny. Uh, we laugh a lot with her. Uh, yeah, she's just fun. We have a four-year-old named Jana. There's a bigger gap there. Uh, if you listen to my wife's podcast, you'll hear more about that. We had several miscarriages in between those two. Mm. Uh, yeah, our four-year-old Jana is the definitely the sassiest in the group right now. She is quite bossy. <laughs> <laughs> but she's really cute and gets so excited about everything, and we just love her. And then we have a one-year-old named Ben. And he is adorable, and he is obsessed with me. Doesn't matter who's holding him. If I walk in the room, he immediately starts crying and crawling for me. You got to enjoy those moments while they're there, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to like rest. And I'm like, nah, I should, I should, I should, right. I should enjoy this. 
Yes. So it's good. So we've we've had a lot of fun with them. Uh, obviously, parenting is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Uh, we had two kids during my undergrad. We had Eden during my PhD. And then we had two more after all that in the last few years. So... Yeah, it's it's been a grow up quick kind of life. We got married December 2010, and David was born in October 2011. So there was like, I was like, I've been home for my mission for 13 months, and I'm a dad, but it was all legit. So you know, well, it, it seems to be kind of a a theme from like the moment you figured out where you want to go, what you want to do, kind of kind of where you figured out, okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to really explore this church thing and have my own testimony. It's like, all right, I'm going on a mission. You know, from a mission, it's like, I I know I'm going to marry. We're going to immediately have kids. I'm going to put my head in the books and get my bachelor's degree in two years. I'm going to get a doctorate. I'm going to, right. And it's just been a, a life of purpose, uh, which is, it's yeah. fun, to, fun to see. So <clears throat> we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the turning points in your life, right? Mm-hmm. You, you Heavenly Father's provided you with plenty of opportunities to have turning points, it sounds like, to say <laughs> the least, right? Um, and how you've kind of grown your testimony through those. Uh, maybe talk just for a minute or two about how you now continue to nurture your testimony. Yeah. Um, so, like anybody, I have kind of a cyclical thing in the gospel. Sometimes I'm just like really rocking and I'm doing good and uh, the spirit is strong and all of that. And other times it's a lot harder um, and a lot more distant. And part of that's just I'm human. Uh, for a while I'll be doing the good stuff and then I kind of get complacent or whatever. It's part of being human, but also it's just expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're directed to endure to the end, if it was always getting spiritually pummeled, that'd be really easy. <laughs> Can be some plateaus along the way. A lot of them. Uh, but as far as what I do is I make really strong efforts to always have a moment to connect with the Lord. Um, I read my scriptures every day since I was like 15. Mm. Maybe I've missed a couple, but I can't actually think of any examples where I did. That's great. Yeah. Um. I see. So I'll I'll stick with like recent adult stuff because it was different as a teenager. Um, But yeah, I read my scriptures. Uh, Lately, I've started off and on trying to keep a study journal again. Right. So like write about like what I'm thinking about, uh, what specific impression I'm getting as I read this conference talk or whatever. I haven't done it for a week or two, but it was really good while I was doing it. Right. Um, I try to say my prayers. Um, I try to take chances to talk with my kids about the gospel. All like the really basic stuff. Uh, that's what's really sustained me. Well, I, I remember somebody saying in uh, church um, a year or two ago, we call those the primary answers because they're primarily the things that Heavenly Father requires us, right? Not because yeah. they're elementary in nature, but they're primarily the things that keep us yeah, on the covenant path, which is for great. sure. 
Well, let's close with this then. Um, just the kind of questions asked of everybody. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Yeah, this has been my favorite part of listening to these podcasts, actually. Because every time I hear someone else talk about it, I'm like, what does it mean to me? And I, I, I kept trying to like think of like how would I answer that? Yeah. Which is good because then last Sunday you said we should do this podcast. <laughs> and I still can't think of it. Um, so this is going to be like half rehearsed and half winging it, all right? It's like a piano solo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm doing a song. Uh, being a follower of Christ uh, is, in my mind, just trying to do what he would do. And that can mean very different things to different people. He's perfect, and there's an infinite menu of things we can do to try to be like him. Um, so at one point in my life, it was a very mechanical thing, like, I'm going to stop doing this bad thing. I'm going to read my scriptures. I'm going, like, it was right. Um, and that was being a follower of Christ. It's not the end goal for me to just, like, check boxes. But there was value in that for me um, to help get me to the next step, one step closer to perfection. You know, I've got like infinity more years, so I'll get there eventually. Uh, for me right now, what that means trying to do what he would do is I'm trying to take chances to teach my children and help them to gain faith on their own. And it means I'm trying to make sure that when people talk with me, including online, which is hard, I used to be kind of a keyboard warrior, but <laughs> when, when people talk with me, I try to make sure that they know that I value them as people. Right. That I try to let them feel the love of Christ through my actions and through the way I talk with them. Uh, it's not always easy because one, I'm kind of an introvert, and two, I often uh, don't feel that fuzzy. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But it, it's it's what I'm working on now. I got the step I'm at now, and trying to follow him and trying to be like him is probably one of the biggest ones, and one that I'm going to have to work on for a very long time because his first commandment is to love others. Or no, it's to love God. Second is to love others. And I think that's going to be one of the hard ones. Um, but I'm trying to do it better and better. And hopefully people will be able to feel his love because I've been in their life. Awesome. So That's great. Well, I appreciate you being with us tonight and particularly for being willing to be vulnerable. That's tough sometimes yeah. to be vulnerable. But I think out of... Out of sharing those experiences, and this is what's great about this these podcasts, right, is we need to learn more about people, but I, I think you've taught us some things tonight that there's probably people who are listening who, who have gone through similar things or are going through them, and um, your testimony will be meaningful in that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And, yeah, if anyone's uh, – I don't want to like put like a plug out there like I'm like selling anything, uh, but – I have a pretty, like, I don't know. I, sorry, I'm going to add, like, one more thought. Go for it. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I had, like, dabbled in, like, a bunch of, like, anti-Mormon stuff, and I'd, like, gone through 
my version of atheism and all that, um, all of that stuff ended up being baked into my testimony. Because mm. a lot of the stuff I was focusing on was absolutely true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we have very imperfect leaders in our past and in our present. I'm like, yeah, a lot of that stuff just is, and we can't deny it. Um, and so for me, having all of that stuff being a part of my testimony <laughs> right, has given me a pretty different perspective. And so if anyone is ever like struggling um, to understand why something is uh, going on in church or if anyone is struggling to understand why bad things are happening, you don't have to talk to me. I'm happy to let you just go do your own thing. But just be aware that I am willing to have those conversations with people. Yeah. Because um, it's, yeah, life can be pretty brutal sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, we appreciate it. Anything else? Do we cover about all of it? That's about all of it. This one's a long one. I'm sorry. No, this is great. This is a perfect time. Thank you so much. And uh, until next time. Thank you much.